No Bailouts for European Culture. This is Conducting Business, a podcast on the classical music industry from WQXR.org. I'm Naomi Lewin. The headlines from Europe this summer are as persistent as a bad sunburn. The Dutch government is slashing arts funding by 25%. Italy's La Scala Opera House has announced a $9 million shortfall. The Vienna State Opera has been told to cut over $12 million from its budget. And Portugal has abolished its Ministry of Culture altogether. So, dire news about arts organizations isn't just for Americans anymore. All across Europe, generous public funding is being slashed as governments impose severe austerity cutbacks. What will this mean for classical music? Joining us to discuss this are three experts. On the phone are Johannes Grotzky, Director of Radio at the Bayerische Rundfunk, the Bavarian Broadcasting System in Munich. In London is Norman Lebrecht, author, blogger, and cultural commentator for the BBC. And here in the studio with me is Andreas Stadler, Director of the Austrian Cultural Forum in New York. Norman, I'm going to start with you. There has Mm -hmm. been a drumbeat of alarming news about the euro for years. And why is this now impacting arts organizations? Well, I think for different reasons in different countries. Yes, you're quite right. It's the euro crisis, and that's affecting the southern European countries. And the crunch is really very severe. I mean, in Greece, things are being wiped out. Portugal... Um, As you say, the culture ministry has been abolished, which is not a bad thing. I would abolish cultural ministries in other countries as well. They tend to be overmanned and over-interfering. But the musical organizations are functioning on a much tighter budget, 20% cuts, 30% cuts. That's really severe. Holland is a disaster area. The government, which has just fallen, uh, they're going to elections in September. The government has imposed cuts between 40 and 60%, and this has been totally devastating across the arts. The major companies, Concertgebouw, Rotterdam Philharmonic, Netherlands Opera, have been have taken uh, relatively manageable cuts. But when the small and medium-sized companies came up for their grants just this week, out of 120 applications, only 39 got through. So that's two-thirds of the country's arts companies that are really hovering on, on the brink of survival, and some of them won't survive. Holland has been the basket case of the arts. Two other things. Firstly, there are batches of Europe where nothing bad is happening. Scandinavia, everything is fine. Um, I was there a couple of months ago. I'm going again at the end of this month. The United Kingdom, partly due to the Olympics uplift, but also due to relatively sensible cutting of budgets, also hasn't really felt the pinch in any material way. And France, if anything, is growing. That's one aspect of it. The other thing is, and this is what fills me perhaps with more hope than despondency, is that the solutions that people are seeking, particularly in Holland, are inventive. They're not saying we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole in the way that we've dug ourselves out of holes in the past, because they know that this is unprecedented, and they know they need really innovative solutions, and some of those are applying that. When I compare that to what's gone on in the, in the United States, particularly with major orchestras that have got in trouble, gone into bankruptcy or to the edge of bankruptcy, and where the only... Uh, remedy has been to go back to the old tried and trusted method, go and call on your supporters and get them to dig a bit deeper into your pockets, and that'll get over the next couple of years. That doesn't seem to me as good a solution as some of the things that I'm seeing now in Europe. Johannes, what is going on in Germany? 
I guess all these uh, problems are not current issues for us in Germany. Since we have the unification and within the unification, we cut back our orchestras from around 170 to 135 in Germany. Uh, around some 30 orchestras were closed in eastern Germany, uh, mostly in very little t teeny tiny towns, and we couldn't afford all this. Uh, on the other hand, we had some major cutbacks during the last five years. So um, at the moment, we don't suffer too much. For example, we run in the radio stations uh, 14 orchestras and uh, a lot of choirs and big bands. And only now we try to merge uh, one of these orchestras uh, with uh, another in the southwest part of Germany. And we had another merged orchestra situation in Frankfurt many, many years ago. There are no cutbacks right now uh, in the budgets, but we knew that the money coming in uh, from the state, money coming in from our customers, this will, be, will go down. And uh, maybe um, other countries, have, they waited too long to arrange uh, some new uh, financial settings in the cultural affairs. Uh, but I must agree, uh, it is very, very difficult when you compare the situation in Italy. Uh, the RAI, the Italian radio station, public radio and TV station, they had four very excellent orchestras. They cut down three of them during the last years. Andreas? Well, I want like to summarize at the very beginning. I have a feeling that we are complaining in Europe on a very high level if we compare this uh, to the United States. I mean, I'm just recalling uh, the problems that uh, the Philadelphia Philharmonic Orchestra had, the problems that the Museum of Contemporary Arts in Los Angeles has, and last but not least, the basically closing of the New York City Opera, which was such an important institution, or let's say not closing, but significant reduction to 15 performances a year from something like uh, almost 200. What is happening, of course, is downsizing and uh, the application of it austerity measures in the wake of the economic crisis everywhere. But what is not happening yet is uh, the questioning of the principal system that still distinguishes the United States and Europe in terms of public responsibility for the arts. And here I would really like to, uh, to disagree with Norman. I would not uh, close uh, ministries of cultures. Uh, I would make them better. I think he is right in saying that some of them behave very conservative, some of them might be overmanned and stuff, but this is true for other industries, for other bureaucracies. I think it's a chance now to get into reforms and make cultural politics more audacious, more interesting, more courageous. But what remains important is that culture is seen in Europe as a basic need, as something that the society has to provide, like security or like social services. Johannes. Naomi, I would, I would tend to agree with that. I think the situation in Germany is perhaps less bright than Johannes was, was describing. The situation in Baden-Baden, where uh, Southwest Radio is trying to merge two orchestras, uh, the Baden-Baden-Freiburg Orchestra with Stuttgart, is actually the first contested 
closure that we have seen in Germany. The Germans have handled their closures very well. Most of them were in East Germany, they were in small communities, and the musicians were somehow integrated into other activities. But here are two communities that are standing by their orchestra and refusing to let that orchestra die. So there's a, there's a real collision with the, with the broadcast organization, and that's going to be interesting. Elsewhere in Germany, um, there is a forcible merger of the opera houses of Duisburg and Dusseldorf. It makes no sense at all, but, it probably, but neither city can actually afford an opera house to itself, and what emerges from that is going to be tenuous. There is no certainty that Cologne, a major city like Cologne, is going to have an opera season next year. So things are starting to bite and to pinch, not as bad, of course, as in Italy or in Spain, where the currencies are actually in flux. And, and the mere certainty of being able to pay the wage bill next month is hangs in the balance. Johannes, do you have well, an answer to that? From the German point of view, um, you're talking about the attempt to merge orchestras in the southwest of Germany. Mm. This radio station uh, is actually the result of the unification of two radio stations, and they had altogether four orchestras. In comparison to the fee we get from our public, we have to provide them also with TV programs, with news, with entertaining, with radio dramas, uh, with uh, TV, films, movies, and so on. So you have to balance uh, the money you spend for the orchestras in comparison to the other, uh, um, to the other jobs that we have to fulfill for our public. And uh, in this respect, uh, I agree that a radio station should not support more than two orchestras and maybe a choir and a big band. Can we ask what the impact is on European musicians? Are their jobs now going away because of all of this? They're heading into the radio orchestras, and, and what we're seeing is a resurgence of the radio orchestra to the point where the BBC has now secured a deal for all of its orchestras for the next five years, so there'll be, there'll be you know, no further doubt about their future. But you look around Europe, and in cities like Paris and Munich and Helsinki and Stockholm and half a dozen others that I, that I could name, the best orchestra in town is the radio orchestra. The others are playing catch-up. Andreas, I'd like to ask you, has there been any cut in arts education? Because we've been seeing that all over America. No, and I think this is what I was trying to say uh, at the very beginning. The times are difficult, but there is no systemic change. And I think we have to be aware. Also, we have not mentioned France here, which is really not touched very much by the austerity measures as concerns the art sector. But what we have to see is that in most European countries, uh, at least in Austria and Central European countries that I overlook, but including France, arts education is a central part of education in schools. And also what is important is that university and music, higher music schools are basically running as they have ran before. We are not talking actually about downsizing, reducing or closing uh, these important institutions. So I think in, in a way it's not as bleak as it is like to be depicted. Also, on the other hand, it's not as good as it should be. So we have to continue to make arguments for all these institutions for the orchestras, for the operas, for the schools, for the universities, because we can reduce some of the spending. And once the economy goes, goes better, we can actually increase it. But once we close down an institution, we no, we're not going yes. to get it back. Unless you are really right. And so the question of Naomi is very important. 
do we educate people? Do we have still enough public for uh, arts and for classical music? And indeed, uh, public radio stations in Europe have an enormous influence, and it's quite difficult to explain this to an American public, because uh, German public radio or British public radio uh, or Italian public radio, they have really enormous amounts of money. For example, the public radio stations in Germany gets around $7.8 billion a year to cover radio and TV programs as well as all the orchestras. For example, I can spend for my orchestras around $44 million a year, which is a lot. Therefore, you can not only support them, but you can qualify young listeners. For example, we have a lot of festivals, but I don't uh, fix my public only into classics. I try to reach young people to interest them for all types of music. That might be rock and pop music as well as folk music as classical music. And I join them together. We try a lot of crossover just to gain a new public to make it interesting for young people. This is very important because I suffer always when I go to the opera in Munich and I'm surrounded by people who are as old as I am. That means 60 or older. Where are the youngsters coming to the operas? That's quite difficult and therefore we have to work. Norman, I'd just mm. like to come back to something that you said earlier that things were very rosy in England. The government there is planning to cut 30% of its subsidy to the Arts Council year after next. Yep. That doesn't yep. sound particularly rosy to me. Well, the, the, no, uh, but, but, <laughs> but the bulk of that is meant to be coming out of the bureaucracy of the Arts Council. The reason the figure looks so big is because it's because the Arts Council is stonewalled and not cut itself. It's tried to pass on the cuts to active arts organizations. So that's going to be a confrontation that comes, but it's not one that will necessarily impinge upon the arts. It will impinge upon the arts bureaucrats. When I said it's no bad thing to cut down culture ministries, we have a culture ministry and an arts council, and they're both bloated. We can have some savings there. We can put that money into live art. Johannes mentioned the opera, and I have a question about that, because looking here from America towards Europe, we see opera directors who seem to have free reign to do all kinds of experimental avant-garde productions. And with the cuts in arts funding, are... European directors going to have that kind of free reign anymore, or are they going to have to do safer work because they're going to be dependent on ticket sales? Well, I, I just would like to say that I think in general, also in Europe, I mean, the public counts and most the theaters totally count on the income of uh, tickets, but also of advertising and so on as a basic uh, pillow to their uh, to their budgets. But the consequence of a very uh, clear public support to the arts and to the development of new arts, um, the consequence of this is that we have a lot of very high-quality uh, productions in Europe that will be repeatedly, for example, invited to the United States. If you look at the BAM program or if you look at the Lincoln uh, Summer Festival program or if you read, like, the last two weeks in the New York Times, you had the feeling that the only important world festival of music and opera is the Salzburg Festival. That this has been a first a front page story and like three other stories in the consecutive days. And are the cutbacks in Europe going to put an end to some of this uh, stuff coming to the States? Oh, no, and no, let no, me no, just say the Salzburg Festival the Salzburg Festival has just managed to get an increase of public funding. Right. So to make this yeah. story complete. But what I really want to say is that the dedication of the society to the arts in Europe leads also to high-quality programs that are being invited all around the world. And you can see this in the U.S. as well. 
Let, let me just give a little uh, distinguishing line here between, between what happens in the United States and what happens in Europe, because it's often misrepresented. In the United States, there is state subsidy for the arts, in that the state allows you to count your arts donations against your tax bill. So the state is, is effectively giving its tax money to the arts by means of, of that particular concession. In Europe, what we're seeing is a redefinition of the state component in arts. And that redefinition came from the German Minister of Culture, Bernd Neumann, who's a veteran in the Merkel government. And a few months ago, he said, I'm not going to talk anymore about state support or state subsidy for the arts. I'm talking of state investment. This is our future. These are our children. This is our education. It's our culture. It's our heritage. It's our creative ability. And, and, and ultimately, it's our economy. So there has been a shift in the public perception as, as to the, the state's role in funding the arts. And it has become, partly as a result of, of, of Neumann's definition, more positive. What about in Southern Europe? In Southern Europe, they're struggling for food. They don't know if they're going to meet the wage bill or, or the rent bill at the end of the week. So the arts have really fallen by the wayside. What it, is going to happen in Spain, I... I they are cutting back on social expenditures, on health expenditures. They're cutting back food programs in Southern Europe. So basically, the arts is not the only sector that is actually uh, being hit. We, uh, this is what I really w would like to keep in perspective. So mm. I think at the end of this crisis, and there is an end to every crisis, even in Greece and in Portugal and in Italy, these countries will make it. They have a young generation of people who... Uh, who are active and who are brilliant and who are creative and in five or ten years maybe this is a catharsis which is necessary because an old nomenclatura is uh, stepping down and something new is coming up but what is really important is also these countries have a high dedication to art and people love art and they go to the opera and of course they are suffering now but they are suffering equally in all, in, in all areas so I wouldn't make the distinction as a as a as a axiomatic distinction between the South and the rest of Europe. Yeah, in this respect, you have to understand the German position, which is quite difficult right now because Germany's uh, economy is uh, quite uh, successful right now, and uh, we have to lower our um, standard of living in Germany to support the other countries, uh, which is quite clear. We have to accept an inflation rate. We have to accept higher debts. Um, uh, so that the others get uh, cheaper money, and all this will also affect uh, cultural life in Germany. That's for sure. The cutbacks uh, we I'm, I'm dealing with right now for the future start in 1940-1915. This is our prognosis. Then we will have cutback in the public sector of cultural affairs up to 15, 20, maybe even more percent. This is already right now very clear, and we discussed this. So we will have more cutbacks also in Germany in cultural affairs, regardless what uh, Bernd Neumann, our Minister of Cultural Affairs, says. Yes, of course, it is an invest investment in a, in a society, uh, but it is an investment which you can afford only if you have money. Well, I, I just would like to say very briefly that it is a dream of every American artist to perform in Europe because the fees there are like three or four or five times higher. And we are still there at this level. You know, you are getting $50 for a performance as a very good uh, 
jazz musician or opera singer for a, a, a smaller company in, in New York or in Chicago, but you are getting 10 or 50 times more in Vienna or in Berlin. And this still makes a big difference. So I would just like to ask now, looking towards the future, with cutbacks in state funding in Europe, do you see European arts groups having to move more towards an American model of corporate and private funding? Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, we try to organize uh, so-called sponsorships all around our orchestras and choirs, uh, which is a very new development for us because the public sector always says, no, we can do without this. Now we have to do it. I don't know if my figures are right, and maybe Norman and Andreas, they are better informed than I am. But my guess was that around 80%, maybe even early 85% for public orchestras and cultural institutions in America uh, come from fundraising. And around 15, 20% they make uh, by selling tickets. In Europe, it's, in Europe, it's just the opposite. We get some 85% out of our budget run by the state, given by our customers or by public fees, and only 15%, up to 20%, we make by selling tickets. So we have to uh, change this towards a little bit more to the American model. This is, I'm, I'm convinced on this. Andreas? I think what we are facing is a kind of convergence. Definitely European arts institutions are learning from the American example, and I think this is totally appropriate and good. There is nothing to belittle, but on the other hand, in principle, the system of a public mecenas Uh, is maintained and is still cherished and unquestioned. Norman, I'm going to let you have the last word on the possibility of American-style arts funding in Europe. Well, unlike uh, continental Europe, we, we already have a three-way split in Britain, which is about a third box office, a third government funding, state funding, and a third private and corporate. Clearly, the, the final third is going to have to rise in the coming years. And from what I see, certainly in our major institutions, it is, it, that is happening. We're getting more private money into the arts. But the issue isn't, isn't actually how you fund the arts. It's, it's how you construct the arts for the 21st century and what we're looking at is ingenuity, new ways of doing things, new ways of presenting things, new venues, a, a different kind of buzz, a habit-breaking buzz. The arts, for most of my life, has been about habit-forming. I think now it's about habit-breaking and putting in surprises and getting people to go to things that they might not otherwise have considered. And if I were to give just one closing example, the uh, Olympics may be remembered for many world records, but the cultural Olympiad, which is happening, is going to climax with the world premiere of Mittwoch by Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, something that no European house has dared to put on yet. It's being put on in a disused factory in Birmingham, and I've been to the site. It's going to be quite phenomenal. Of course, there are going to be helicopters hovering overhead because that's where some of the musicians are playing from. And the audience is going to be challenged to move around different parts of this factory to see different parts of the opera. So it's those new experiences, those signature experiences that are going to set the tone for the coming years. Well, if you're in a helicopter and take some video for us, we'll put it on our website. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. (laughs) Thank you, and hello to Europe. Thank you. This has been Conducting Business, WQXR.org's podcast on the classical music industry. Our guests were cultural commentator Norman Labrecht, Johannes Grotzky of the Bavarian Radio, and Andreas Stadler, who is head of the Austrian Cultural Forum in New York. Brian Wise is our producer, and Bill O'Neill was our engineer. I'm Naomi Lewin. 
Stay tuned for part two of our series on the economy and the arts as we turn our focus to the United States. Thanks for listening.